Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Bridge the Atlantic, where we get to know the people behind the creative industries. We're your hosts, music web designer Ross Barber, owner of Electric Kiwi, where we create awesome custom websites for bands, artists, and musicians. And I'm award-winning singer-songwriter, actor, and indie filmmaker, Marcia Novelli. Joining us this week is multi-award-winning actress, producer, and best-selling author, Ileana Douglas. With over 100 acting credits to her name, Ileana can be seen in movies including Goodfellas, Cape Fear, Ghost World, and The Green. She's also had recurring and guest star roles on Six Feet Under, Entourage, Marin, Frasier, Seinfeld, and many more. Her pioneering branded web series for IKEA, Easy to Assemble, has been downloaded over 40 million times and has been called the most successful branded show of all time by Adweek. Only 40 million, that's all. <laughs> In addition to her acting work, she has also hosted Trailblazing Woman on TCM and is a producer and co-star in the web series The Skinny for Jill Soloway's online network, Wifey.tv. We're excited to learn more about her career in the entertainment business and to hear about her new book, I Blame Dennis Hopper. Hi, Eliana. Hi. Hello. Well, welcome to the show. To this Thank you. weird, crazy thing that we do here. No, no, I can't <laughs> wait. I'm ready. All right. Well, Ross, should we start off the way we always start off right away? Yeah, we like to start things off really, really awkward. <laughs> okay. And we want you to tell us three things about yourself that everyone should know. Three things that everybody should know. Um, I was raised Italian Catholic. My grandfather is Melvin Douglas. And I named my dog Chauncey Gardner after a character in being there. <laughs> I love it. You've had a wildly successful and illustrious career. So uh, what would you attribute your success to? Well, probably just from reading the book and having so many book readings. One of the most fun things for me has been to have other uh, people read aloud from the book. And I remember at one point this actor, Robert Patrick, was reading aloud at an event and he kept stopping and laughing and going, oh, my God, did this actually happen? And, uh, and I always uh, think that, you know, I've, I've had a tremendous amount of luck, but I've also had a tremendous amount of uh, perseverance. I, I just I just never, you know, believe in the word no. So I just keep. I just keep going really much to the dismay of everybody around me, but, uh, <laughs> but um, sometimes a little AD, sometimes a little learning di disability maybe can help sure. you because I don't hear the word. No, <laughs> I just think like, I, I think that, what yeah. they mean by that is that I'm still in the picture. Right. right. So uh, a little bit of delusion maybe has taken me a long way. But I think you need that. And, you know, how important do you think perseverance is? I know that's kind of a, a silly question in a way, but, you know, there's so many people that try to pursue things in life and, and give up, you know, and yes. so often just before something takes light. You know, so, you know, for, for anyone, uh, for our audience right now who's an inspiring actor, mm -hmm. you know, um, trying to see even a percentage of the success you've seen, what sort of advice would you give them? 
Well, I the, I give t- two really solid pieces of advice. I, you never should take anything personally. That's number one, you know, because especially in show business, people yell at you a lot or they're, they're cross or short-tempered. And, you know, you can't take it personally. You really can't. You really can't think it's because of you. And then the other thing is I always tell people is to, which they're always very resistant to do, is I say work for free. You know, go be an intern somewhere work for free um, because oftentimes, you know, by working some of the, some of the best jobs I got early in my career were not as an actor, as I write in my book, it was, you know, working for a film publicist. Um, but while all my other friends were doing, you know, waiters jobs, I was basically like a very low paid intern. And, but in that environment, I was able to be around a lot of other filmmakers. So I always tell people, you know, go to Craigslist. They have like film crews sign up to be on a film crew. And people always look at me in shock. Like, well, I don't, I, what, you mean be a runner, go get coffee? And yeah, like, yes, sure. Why not? You're on a, mo- you're on a movie set. Yeah. That's where you want to be. Uh, so that's what I always tell people to to do, and they look at me in horror. I'm not quite sure why. You know what I love that you say? I don't know about you, Ross. I, I just love that she says that because for me, that says no ego. You know, that says you're willing to work and you just want to be in that industry. Obviously, that's- you have a goal in mind, but you want to, you're, you're there. Yeah. Well, that's how I've always felt about my career is yeah. that I, I, of course, I always wanted to be an actor, sure. but I always wanted to be a writer, but I always, I just wanted to be in show business. I, if I'm somewhere near or around show business, um, I feel happy. It's better than, you know, working in a toll booth. So it's sure. all. <laughs> and, and when you're on set, even if you're doing, even if you're a runner, I mean, you don't know who you're going to connect with like yes. naturally rather than being in a restaurant. Yes, that's just that's the cliche, what, right? Yeah, that's what I that's what I always you know. And again, nothing against anybody who wants to go. No, be a no, no, no. But as I said, I early in my career, I just sacrificed money for being around uh, important people. And the thing is, you know, when you're getting someone coffee, you'd be amazed at the conversations that you overhear, and then you have the ability to kind of stick your nose in and say, you know, I know you mentioned the. You know, I know you were talking about agents. I I was eavesdropping. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and sometimes people tell you to mind your own business. And then that's where my other piece of advice, you know, don't take it personally. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's a a fine line between being pushy. The, The thing I tell people not to do is, you know, write someone a letter like me or other, you know, will you be my mentor? Mm-hmm. Can I pick your brain? I always think mm-hmm. that's like, I have so little of my brain left. <laughs> don't, don't pick at it. But if somebody comes to me, like I'm doing a movie and they say, you know, I, gee, I'd like to, you know, work as an intern on your show or then those, those kind of things really, um, I'm really impressed by that. And I really, it really gets people, I think in the, in the arena where creativity is happening. I love that. Yeah. I love it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's all amazing advice. And I really hope that people take that on board and and do something with it. I'm listening. Stop picking my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'd love to talk a little bit about your book. Yes. Uh, I blame Dennis Hopper. 
So it's it's a memoir framed by movies. Yes, uh, I suppose would be the best way to describe it. We'd love our viewers and listeners to check it out. But I was wondering if you could maybe share one of your favorite stories from the book as a, a sneak oh, peek nice. for everyone. Um, well, the 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 title of the book, I blame Dennis Hopper, comes from the fact that you know my whole family is very much a movie going family. My grandfather was uh, Melvin Douglas, the two time Academy Award winning uh, actor, and my parents, when they were you know courting, but living in uh, New York, they used to always go see movies and go to the revival houses. And when they saw the movie uh, Easy Rider in 1969, it just kind of, you know, like many other people in the generation, it's kind of changed their life. And they decided to, you know, go uh, a completely different way and started, uh, they had a commune uh, called the studio and it was suddenly our whole lives were thrust into being uh, hippies. And uh, my, my father started, you know, emulating the values of, of Dennis Hopper and the, you know, the, of the movie Easy Rider. And that plummeted us pretty quickly into poverty. Uh, (laughs) It was supposed to be this great dream, you know, it was the the 60s. And so it turned my life into this, you know, direction that there was never any money. There was certainly never any money to go to college. So really becoming an actor for me, it just was like, well, what other thing was I going to do except, become an actor. And I grew up, I luckily for me, I was successful. And then, you know, one day I get this call that of course I'm going to be in a movie with Dennis Hopper playing my father figure type lover. And that's where I was like, well, you know, your whole life is like a movie. How often do you get a chance to meet the person that has literally changed your life? And I had this epiphany, you know, while working with Dennis Hopper that in a sense, you know, people that are my age were all children of Dennis Hopper, um, certainly for beginning the independent film movement in 1969, changing the way movies were made and distributed, but also in the ability that one movie, you know, this anti-establishment, I mean, it predicted the rise of the hippie culture and the anti-establishment anti-war feeling in America and movies these days, you know, we may go to a movie and we may love star Wars, but you know, we're not going to go move to a planet far, far away. And movies had that impact on people. And I felt with my work now uh, working with, with Turner classic movies, classic film, we're almost getting away from how important it was to go to the movies. I mean, movies were really the, you know, as you were saying, told the story of my life. And so that is, uh, that's basically the, the first story is about that. And it goes kind of in order, but each story is how a movie or a movie star profoundly affected my life. In some ways, um, I don't even, you know, know the person. Uh, in, and in one story in particular, which is one of my favorite stories, uh, is how I, I pretend I imitated Liza Minnelli to get into a theater group. And it ended up being my first sort of professional uh, gig when I was uh, 15. And, <laughs> that's, and, you know, we need, and that's the thing is like, we need 
And sure enough, many years later, I, of course, I got to meet Liza Minnelli. So it's always a little surreal for me. Each one of these stories has a kind of crazy, well, this is like a movie. Uh, no kidding. So you know, it seems so that, to really come around for you. And yes, it's almost, almost like you said, like a film, like it's not reality, like that's not supposed to happen. Type thing. Well, it's, you know, it, it, like I said, there's been posters of people on my wall and then I'm meeting those people. Yeah. And I often, you know, I wonder, is everybody's life a movie or is it just mine? Like right. I feel everybody's life is a movie, uh, but mine sometimes see, feels particularly uh, cinematic. I see things in pictures anyway. Right. So it all seems like a movie. I always have like a great soundtrack underneath everything I'm doing, you know? <laughs> well, I think, I think Russ, you and I can sort of agree with that to a point, even with this show, we've, we've been able to interview people like yourself that we admire and then go on to actually have relationships with down the road. And it's just, it's very interesting. It's surreal, but at the end of the day, people are people yes. and you're doing what you're passionate about. And it just so happens to reach a large audience. So, you know, coming, getting to actually work with those people, um, it, it just, it's, it probably blows your mind at first, but then you probably are just so I don't want to say used to it, but you start to realize that people are people. Well, it's also, you know, it's a very, you know, the, our society right now is very, it's very cynical. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I love about working with Turner is that there's such a great appreciation for someone, whether they only were in one movie that affected us or whether they have a, you know, a whole body of work mm -hmm. and being around, you know, movie fans and movie lovers don't have, they aren't fickle, you know, they just, they love their classic film stars. And so many times early in your career, you know, you want to be of course, you want to be, you know, success, you know, in a successful film, but things, you know, there are peaks and valleys. And even a movie like Easy Rider, when I saw Easy Rider, I saw it like on television, you know, I think when I was in high school, very cut up version of it. And I always thought, this is the movie. <laughs> like, this is the movie my parents threw everything away for. And it didn't make any sense to me. And then I started watching it a few years ago, and I thought, wow, this movie has such a resonance for me, almost, you know, now more than ever, because the message of the movie is, you know, these two hippie bikers, you know, they're traveled, they're on this road trip, and they're looking, they're, you know, through what is like a broken America, and talking about freedom. And now we no longer even have the ability to be free, like mm -hmm. that's gone. So there is no more freedom. I mean, we're, we're here for the long, we're here until the second big bang. I have a feeling. <laughs> so, Did you learn anything different about yourself by writing this book? Because this, uh, you know, writing a book about your life kind of, I don't know. I, I feel like it would give you such insight or maybe confuse you more. <laughs> no, I, I tell everyone they should, even, even if not asked, everyone should, should write a book about your life Why's because that? so many, well, you learn you know, you, for me, it's always very, as an actor, of course, you're like, who am I? You know, wh wh why am I here? What am I, you know, am I doing anything to, to help anyone? And so you discover a lot about who you are and, you know, what you're made of and your roots. Um, 
so many times, like, again, it's a little like George Bailey. You don't, you're like, oh, I guess I actually did accomplish something. <laughs> you know, you don't, you never think that, you never, you just, you know, you were running and running yeah. and running. And then when you write a book and you see all these pictures, you're like, wow, I'm exhausted. I did all that, you know? Um, and so I look back on decisions I made, like to, you know, to do the movie alive, because part of the reason I did the movie was, I, you know, this idea that we were going to live on a mountain and go to the set in a helicopter. And I was, I thought, you know, well, I'm, this is early in my career. What if I never have that opportunity again? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that, like, I think, oh, my God, thank God I did that movie because I learned so much from doing that movie and the, the excitement of, you know, shooting on a mountain and how challenging it was. But sometimes, like, you just got to go for it. And I, again, I look back on writing some of these stories that I thought, well, who's going to be interested in Rudy Valley or Roddy McDowell? And sometimes those have been the stories for people that have been the most poignant because they're learning about these people and how they impacted, um, you know, my life. And I think that each that, you know, that's what I've, I've been told that, whether or not it's movies for some people, it's music, but you know, these people, these larger than life artists also get us through these tough times, you know, mm-hmm. and every time that I met one of these people, I, you know, it was like a bell went off in my head and I felt it was important to kind of, to tell their story, it keeps them alive, not only in the movies, but what they were like personally. And, and how they impacted uh, my life. That's beautiful. Yeah. You know, yeah. would you say that it is so important to just say yes? Mm. Definitely. I mean, I do that all the time. It's like mm-hmm. you'd be amazed how much energy that, you, you know, by just saying, you know, by just spending the whole day and going, yes. I'll sure. What do you have to lose? You know, um, you get up, you meet a lot of pe- people that way. If that's what you want, you know, right. that was like, I always want, that's always like my thing is I want to, you know, when I'm 95, just be like, wow, I did a lot. I, you know, I have no regrets. I always want to have no regrets. So, so, so far, so good. And one of the r- really rewarding things is so many people that have read the book because it's, it's a roadmap of movies. Um, also, I mean, there that's must cool. be, like a hundred movie references. In fact, um, some people have put together for me, like, you know, movies, just the movies that I mentioned. And then they're, they're watching all the films that I mentioned. And then they, you know, they, they reach out to me and that's really exciting too. Um, just to get to have other people talk, you know, like read about Peter Fonda and then go watch yeah. all of his movies or, or Rudy Valley or Roddy McDowell, all these people that, you know, that, that made these fantastic films. I feel like that's so generous of you too. Cause it, like your book sounds the opposite of most autobiographies, which is usually pure narcissism. And it's not like you, your book is almost about everyone else. And just how that it's from what I can see has affected you and made you the person you are. And that's so giving, that's so generous, which kind of seems to have a parallel between you as an actress and being a very generous actress that works well with other actors. 
Yeah, well, I have, I mean, I had absolutely no desire writing a book about, you know, me and, and my mm. career. I've, re- I've re- you know, I've read a lot. I love reading mm-hmm. um, celebrity autobiographies, but it's not interesting to me. And I've always been, like, my whole life, as I said, I've been an observer, and I like to observe people. And I feel that that's, you know, that the whatever writing gift I have is to be, in the movie, as I write, like an insider and outsider, and that I'm in the film, but I often have felt like I'm outside the film studying the people. Okay. And um, again, like in one of the chapters that I, I wrote about with Richard Dreyfus, you know, he just, here is an example of somebody, I watched him as a kid, and then I had an opportunity to work with him, and then, you know, and then with Turner, with TCM, interview him. And so it's a slightly different perspective from, like, a classic interviewer. Um, it's almost like I'm acting in a scene with them when I'm interviewing them and when I'm writing about them. I'm writing from the perspective of being a movie fan, but then also having work with them. Um, and I try to bring something again to each per- person that I write about that is slightly unexpected. Um, and that's always been my, I try to, I try to use my, the qualities that I have as an actor when you're acting in a scene with them to pick up little nuances about who they are, but then tell a story, um, with them. And so again, the, one of the stories in the book, it's called me doing dry, uh, dry, me doing Dreyfus doing Tracy, which is based <laughs> on me when I was in acting school and whenever I would get in trouble, I would just be like, I'm just going to do Richard Dreyfus. I'm just going to do a Dreyfus here. And when I met Richard Dreyfus and I told him that, he said, that's funny because I used to always imitate Spencer Tracy. And I said, wait a minute. So I'm, I'm not even doing, I'm doing you doing Tracy. That's amazing. So, <laughs> so that's that's I, that to me was even it's like a paint one painter copying another painter to you know getting your style, and you know nobody knew I was doing Richard Dreyfus, but that's what gave me the confidence to kind of get through some rough spots um, until you kind of find your own thing that you, you know, that you want to do. Now, what's funny about the story is that very much like with Dennis Hopper, then, oh, of course, one day I'm going to get cast in a movie with Richard (laughs) Dreyfuss. And how is this going to work out? So I like to, you know, you were saying like writing about your career. It's like, you know, to me, that's not interesting, but as an actor, you know, you, you learn a lot of practical things of what's it like on set? Like, what am I, what can I expect? What happens when you get into trouble with a scene? How do you act a scene when you're on a mountain? You know, so all of these, all of these different scenarios as an actor, I try to uh, write about from a more, you know, obviously funny because I'm funny, mm-hmm. but a pra- more practical, you know, point of view. Well, how do you approach it when you run into trouble in a scene? What do, well, what do you do? That's a an, another chapter, you know, that I write about, um, with, which is called what it what it's what's it like to work with Robert De Niro, which is my oh, you know my my question as you know wherever I go, like what you know, can I ask you what you know what's it like to work with? <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, that's a very 
interesting question. So let let me write an entire chapter. Like, I don't want to be flipping about it, you know, because you usually you don't have time. You go, he's great. He's amazing. He's genius. Right. But I thought, well, this would be really interesting. Let me write an entire chapter from an actor's point of view of what is it like to work with Robert De Niro. And it's really dedicated to um, to, you know, to acting. That's a real interesting, you know, and that is like when you get in trouble, when you get intimidated by by somebody yeah, that's so say. larger than life. Um, and we and we feel that in in life, too, you know. And so in that instance, it talks about like, an, you know, an epiphany that I had where I was going to have to remove him from the equation. Otherwise, I just would be acting with Robert De Niro. And um, and that's something that's interesting and practical, probably can relate to other people that have been in that situation where you're meeting someone who's, you know, somewhat larger than life. Mm-hmm. And how do you uh, take that person out of the equation? You know, that's a very good metaphor for, you know, for life and just do your job as an actor and forget about what anybody thinks or any of those things. So so in that sense, uh, it talks about, you know, an actor preparation. And I studied at the Neighborhood Playhouse, which is an incredible school started by Sanford Meisner. And Sanford Meisner was a great acting teacher, as was Stella Adler, who taught uh, Marlon Brando. And then there was also Lee Strasberg, and they all, but they each had their different methods of, of acting. And each one offers very practical, interesting advice. And so that, that chapter tells a lot about, you know, acting technique. Um, and you do find yourself oftentimes, as I write in the book, there's there's three or four examples of movies where you're really like, oh, I'm in trouble here. What am I going to do? And I, again, thought that would be uh, something that was very interesting um, that, that people have told me who've read the book, like that, oh, nobody ever writes about what it's actually like to be on the set, the physical, not here I am winning my Oscar, but right, like, right. what happens when, you know, the shot goes wrong and you have 20 minutes to shoot this. And so there's a lot of that kind of, uh, pr- you know, sort of practical feeling as if you're on the set. And it and what's been great is that everybody who reads the book says, now I want to go back and watch the movie. <laughs> so that's that to me is the most rewarding thing. I, I can tell you, I cannot... I, I cannot wait to read those. We haven't had a chance to read it yet, yeah, and we cannot too. wait to read those. I was excited to read it beforehand, but now you've just gotten me like really psyched to read yeah. your book. So well, I've been told my, my, my favorite thing is when my friends who are, are we've been doing these readings, you know, around town, and also I've been touring. Right. And I, the thing I keep, you know, I, I was being, you know, I was in an interview and I said to someone, well, it's a very, it's a very fast read. You'll read it at one sitting. And then they laughed like, you're like, well, that's kind of conceited. And I said, no, that's what people keep telling me. They're like, I couldn't <laughs> put it down. I, I Because each one is a story. That's what's great about it. You don't have to, you can pick it up in the middle. Kind of like a short story book. Exactly. Short story I was, when I was Mythology. a kid, I was obsessed with short story books. Yeah. And, J.D. Salinger. Probably because of the ADD, right? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. I can relate to that. It's like, that's as much as I can handle now. <laughs> I was like, okay, right. I know I can write. And the idea that you yeah. can, that you could pick it up anywhere. Yeah. I'm like, I can't. 
God, this I don't like I'm I don't like being hemmed in like I gotta read the beginning yeah. and the end. I was like, you can read the last chapter. And I love it. you know, and it's great. You don't have to skip to the end because there is no end. There's yeah. there's 15 stories. And there there's a lot more stories. Two of the stories got got uh ended up getting uh dropped out. So uh, hopefully for book two, if everybody buys the book, then I'll yeah. I'll write even more stories. Ileana, are you ready for 20 questions? I'm ready. Wait, I'm pouring my tea. Am I going to Okay, eat- good. I have my tea, too. Well, you know what? That yeah. works perfectly because the first question is coffee or tea? Tea! <laughs> <laughs> we all drink our tea. Meat or veggies? Oh, veggies. Good. That makes me, I'm vegan, so that makes me very happy. <laughs> I know. I'm a, well, I'm a cheater. I'm a pescatarian. So That's I'm okay. Not, That's a, not, okay. You're still better than Ross. Still better than Ross that eats me. Full-blown carnivore here. <laughs> yeah. TV or Netflix? Ooh. Uh, I guess TV. I'm, you know, I'm going to classic TV. Yeah. Going to old school. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter or Facebook? Ooh. I guess Facebook. Facebook. Yo- yoga or mm. yogurt? Oh, yogurt. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Does that disappoint you? Yeah, because you're from Los Angeles. I thought yoga. <laughs> I'm stereotyping now. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Theater or film? Oh, film. I'm a film. I'm a filmie. Yeah. Connecticut or California? Ah. Uh. <laughs> Shoot, you, that, that, you, that's a tough one. Oh my God, they both begin with C. I'm going to go California because that's the center of the movie business. We ask the tough questions here on Bridge the Atlantic. Yes. We do. They're yeah. going to get tougher. They're going to get tougher. Okay. Education or experience? Oh, definitely experience. Definitely. Oh God, we're actually asking you this question. Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake? What are we doing here? Why are we even asking this? Ross, this is embarrassing. Oh my god. <laughs> Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake. It's actually the hardest question. Um I'm gonna go with Justin Timberlake. Thank you. Whew. Yeah. He makes <sighs> movies. He's been he was very yes, good in yeah. the social network in the oh, he was actually. Yeah, he was. Canada or Scotland? Oh, oh that's brutal. Brutal, brutal. You're gonna offend one of us. You're gonna offend one of us. <laughs> God, that is so. All right, I'm gonna have to go Canada because I've made movies there. But I love Scotland. Yeah. Do you want me yeah, to take yeah, out my yeah. plaid? I'll take out my plaid ba- blankets that I got. Oh, Ross is wearing plaid too. <laughs> when <laughs> I was at the uh, the Edinburgh Festival, that was like my big joke. Was like I kept yeah. everywhere I went. I was like, is there any? Is there a store that maybe sells plaid? I don't know. I'm having a. <laughs> If anybody knows, could, anyone, could I get a scotch? Is there any scotch that I get? <laughs> because wherever you go, like down the street, you're like, I, oh I, I, why do I need, I need plaid underwear <laughs> and scotch. I need to go to another scotch. Those two place. go really well together. Plaid underwear and scotch. Well, that's all I did. I went to the, every imagining museum. really crazy notes at nights. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was cold though. Yeah. So cold. cold. Ventriloquism or magic? (gasps) Sorry, I jumped in there. Sorry. Oh, that's Tori. Love both. I'm going to go with magic. I love magic. Comedy or drama? Oh, comedy. Comedy. Tina Fey or Amy Poehler? 
Brutal. I'm going to go with Amy Poehler because she was my boss. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That's a smart move. (laughs) I was going to say, we're going to get her into trouble here, Ross. Jeez. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Hopefully none of these will. Um, So Marlon Brando or Liza Minnelli? Ah, brutal. I'm going with, uh, I'm going with Marlon Brando. Yeah. This is one of our special questions, but uh, Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton with the hand power cool. grab right here. I guess you got to go with Michael Jackson. Classic the moonwalk. The, you have you know. to. Yeah. But you know, Michael Bolton does have the power grab. Let's not forget that. And he ruled the <laughs> early nineties with those power ballads. Let's not forget. <laughs> yes. That. And he was, he, one, uh, he was on dancing with the stars. I think. Was he too. really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. We want to get the show. Let us not forget that. Yes. Unless we forget. Celine Dion or Marilyn Manson? Oh, Celine Dion, definitely. Yeah. What a voice, huh? Yeah. She's got a great, and uh, yeah. And, you know, she will go on. Absolutely. Ricky Gervais or Ricky Martin? Oh, that's sad. I guess Ricky Gervais. I mean, he brought us The Office and extras and so many why is it sad because i like i I like them both it's you know (laughs) i don't want to be that i'm anti-ricky i'm just no 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 the other ricky because he's sure he's in my tribe he's in my comics and he doesn't adhere to the kind of i don't know he just stands outside of the industry in in a way and just doesn't care or at least appear, appears to not care because I he doesn't he need cares. it because he's got his own. Well, he does. He's got his own kind of thing going. So, you know, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe you're right. Maybe, who knows? Call who him knows? and ask him. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got his number, we'll happily take it. That's, That's all I'm saying. Don't have his number. He never, he doesn't call me. I don't, I don't oh, understand. Well, Gervais, Jesus. <sighs> well, yes. whale? talk to him. Yeah. Whale or kale? Oh, whale. Definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm off the kale. kale. There's too much kale. What's so great about kale? <laughs> Eliana, you were the first person to answer that so quickly and not question. Most people look at us like, I don't get it. Whale or kale? We're like, it rhymes. <laughs> we're like, that's, that's all. It's just rhymes. That's, that's what we're yeah. doing here. We're rhyming. Bette Midler or the Riddler? Ooh, Bette Midler. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Down and out in Beverly Hills. Great Bette Midler performance. She's yeah. awesome. Now, this may be the toughest question, maybe the easiest question. Okay. Either way, we'll be insulted? Someone? Yeah, e- either way, one of us is going to end up crying. Oh, no! So it's, it's, it's Ross or Marcio. <clears throat> That's not fair! Dun, 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 I'm also an actor. Do, 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 do. I have yeah, a cute dog. He's so like a life. dog! <laughs> Seinfeld's one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> do, 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 and I love Jim Six Feet Under. <laughs> Look at us groveling. Oh my God. Embarrassing shamelessly, too, eh? Oh, has anyone not answered that? I can't do it. I can't. can't do it. It's okay. like Sophie's right. choice. Come on. <laughs> wow. I know I'm really complimented that you just compared it to that. Wow. I can't. That's too, wow. It's too cruel. I can't. It was hard enough to do Canada, Scotland. I refuse to answer. If this, if this interview must end over this question, so be it. <laughs> so be it. Oh, my gosh. Well, it won't end. Uh, it'll end right. soon. But before we do end, I want to ask you, um, yes. what's the most important skill for an actor, um, both as a, as a craft and from a business standpoint? What's the, what's the most important skill an actor should have? Probably, I mean, flexibility. Um, because again, 
you know, you, you find yourself in so many situations where you want to be resistant and, you know, I mean, just to give you an example, you know, when you're on movies, you know, when you're making movies, it's not perfectly or it's not like you're in acting school. It's not perfectly ordered. And so sometimes, you know, they may come to you and say, listen, um, we have an issue and uh, it would be save us $10,000 if we do your big, you know, crying scene tonight. And, you know, you have to go, you can't go, no, I was planning it tomorrow. And that's yeah, I'm not prepared. Or, yeah. You know, you just have to go, um, yeah, I can do it. You know, and I think that that's part of being, you know, we use this broad term being a professional. But I think that that's what being a pro is is that you know you're low maintenance but it's the, the underneath is just a flexibility uh in in everything and you know you you prepare for something but again when you get to the set you have to be flexible um and adapt and so many times in life you know even in my writing the book i'm very open like you may have an idea of what it's going to be, but I always change. Sometimes people get frustrated with me because I, I go, you know what this really is? And I sort of change what I'm doing organically as I, as I go on and they're not flexible. (laughs) Oh, really? But I like, I like flexibility. You know, sometimes you have definitive ideas. Like when I'm directing, I'm like, no, it's got to be this. But sometimes, again, you have to have flexibility. If an actor is not interpreting something that you're doing, you have to have flexibility that it's either not working or you're not explaining it right or something like that. So that would be I, I mentioned five words, but underneath it, it's all flexibility. And being prepared for the unprepared, would you say? Yes, de- definitely. But in it, but you know, again, and then the other, it's such a broad term. But like having a sense of humor about it, it's right. like you know, it's it's no big deal. I always right. tell everybody to fail a lot, like before. You okay, know, well, I've already done that. <laughs> yeah. right? But it's like, but right? that's because once you fail, You've that's that. you know, usually no. underneath everything is like. You, you know, you, it's just, we have this tremendous fear of failure, but the thing is, once you fail, you know, like it's when you're learning how to do something and you fall, Mm -hmm. right? Once you fall, you go, oh, okay, I fell. I look like an idiot. And then let me get up. You know, um, the world, unfortunately, right now, as Mike Tyson learned, uh, you can, once you fall, in public, you know, they're going to show that 8,000 times mm-hmm. to kind of make fun of you. So in your private life, in your rehearsal life, you know, fail. I always tell people like, you know, paint, uh, paint really bad pictures, do really bad Shakespeare, like do everything and fail. And you know what I mean? You just, you find out that way. It's like, you got to do a lot of things and to find out what you are uh, good at you know people don't want to I'm a huge proponent of singing of public singing and people will say well I don't have a very good voice and it's like does it really matter it's like you know so singing in groups is good I think it builds your confidence um, but you know do do all of that in the in the in the privacy of your home you know 
you know, and again, painting a picture is a good example of, you know, you reach a point where you're like, I've ruined it. It's horrible. And then you just want to throw it away. But it's like, if you don't give up, if you go beyond that point, you know, where you're like, all right, I, I fucked up. I put too much black there, but let me go beyond that. And usually then it's like, it turns into something. But so many times I find, and I don't know if it's the way people were raised. Once we have a little twinge of failure, we just want to like give up. And I always think it's better to to go beyond the failing part. You can really achieve something interesting. Ah, you're so inspiring. I love this. You were just like, I love it. I, I know if I'm talking to you and I'm feeling this way, I just know our, our audience is going to love this because oh, it, this is such truth. You're just speaking such truth and, and coming from you that it just means so much. So I think everyone needs to go to ilianadouglas.com and on Twitter, you are Ileana Rama. <laughs> yes. That. On Twitter, I'm Ileana Rama. I'm Instagram, Ileana Rama. Um, and Facebook, I'm Ileana Douglas. We, all, we also have an I Blame Dennis Hopper uh, Facebook page. It. And people can check out where I'm going to be going next. I'm going up to San Francisco. And then I'm going to be in Taos. I'll be in... Come to Toronto. Oh, I would Toronto. love to. Do I would it. love to. We got to get somebody to... To bring me up there. I love Toronto. Oh, we could talk about that. I would love In to Scotland. talk about that. Do it. Yes, for sure. Come I over here. I love it. And as for me, I'm working on my second solo album, and you can hear my music at marcinavalli.com. I recently released my award-winning documentary, Walking Proof, which chronicles the making of my debut solo album, which you can watch for free at marcinavalli.com slash walkingproof. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, all those fun places, which are all slash marcinavalli. And I'm working on websites for various artists at the moment, and I'm also in the early stages of writing my first book. Uh, you can check out my work at electrickiwi.co.uk. You'll find me on Twitter and Instagram as Electric Kiwi, and on Facebook, Electric Kiwi Design. This episode was brought to you by Chris Keaton, Alyssa Parma, Buck Naked Soap Company, and Social Surge. All links are in the show notes, so make sure to check them out. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, visit patreon.com slash bridge the Atlantic. Ileana, honestly, this has just been, you were, I could listen to you for like, I think we need to do like five part episodes of this or something like that. I could just listen to you again. Like, again. How's it going? But you know, it's funny. I've <laughs> actually, that? I actually have been listening to Ileana all day oh, no because kidding. I've listened to yeah, pretty much every single podcast interview oh, wow. you've done today oh. as, uh, as research. But I, I just, I just love listening to, to you talk. I love hearing your stories. Um, and I know that, you know, people watching, listening to this are definitely going to take a lot away from, uh, oh, from everything you've shared. So. Yeah. Thank you. And I, thank you. I love your positive energy. Yeah. She just, you just have such a great vibe and a positive energy. And thank you so much. Please do come back. We want I you to come back it. on. All right. I would awesome. love it. Yeah. As I continue on, um, my, my, you know, my journey. One last thing is I challenge yeah. our audience. I challenge our audience to draw the worst picture you can draw just out of pure excitement and, and, uh, and expression and post that either on our Twitter or Facebook and tag all of us in it and we can have a good laugh and we'll, maybe we'll all do one ourselves and, and share it's, with all of you. I think it'll be a lot of fun. It's so liberating. Just like Absolutely. the worst, stupidest. <laughs> you know, you do things when you're a kid. I mean, we. Yeah. I use this example with a painting because... You walk into someone's house and you're like, wow, that is that is an amazing, where did you buy that contemporary art? And it's like, my five-year-old did that. <laughs> you know, it's always like, and then we I reach this that. point where our brains get involved and then it's like it's stick yeah. figures and then, you yeah. know, so. <laughs> so postmodern. modern <laughs>
I know. No, I look at things in my mom's house. I'm like, I was so good when I was seven. What happened? Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bridge the Atlantic. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So connect with us on there and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for being awesome. And we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.